Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. If you care to see a video presentation of these sermons, you must use the Spotify app to see the videos. Otherwise, continue in the medium that you've chosen and you will get the audio version only. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're in Genesis 14 where we're talking about Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace. Okay, good morning. We are walking with Abraham, and we're in Genesis chapter 14, and last Sunday night we had a lot going on in 13, and we'll continue with Lot tonight. So if you want Lot, you'll have to come back. This morning we're going to talk about uh, Melchizedek, king of righteousness and king of peace, continuing on what we began in Sunday school. So we're in Genesis chapter 14. We're going to skip down to the 18th verse and talk about this guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, who is Melchizedek? You can translate it as a king of my righteousness, or my king of righteousness, or king of righteousness, which is what Hebrews 7 says. The author of Hebrews is going to use Melchizedek to help us understand Jesus, just to give us a foothold. Obviously, he's trying to explain Jesus to the Jewish people, and so he decides to do, as Robert was discussing after Sunday school this morning, to take something from the Old Testament to help us understand Jesus. And so the comparison is made to understand Jesus. Melchizedek is kind of like Jesus. And so he interprets the name Melchizedek as king of righteousness in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 2 like we talked about in Sunday school. It's interesting. King of Salem is tied to Jerusalem and later on in Joshua chapter 10 when Joshua comes back to the same place that Abraham has at in Genesis 14 he's going to come and the king of Jerusalem is Adonai Sadok, which is translated Lord or Master of Righteousness. And so there's something about the place Jerusalem, there's something about righteousness, and there's something about pointing to a God. Now we talked about in Exodus, they didn't know the name Yahweh. They didn't know God by that name. As a matter of fact, Moses says, who do I tell them that sent me? <laughs> You're telling me go down to Egypt, I don't even know your name. And that's where we get the name Yahweh from. We get the name Yahweh from. We discussed that in Sunday school. And so there's something that's tying them. And they often called God Adonai. Because he is their master. He is their Lord. Jesus is Lord. Uh, in one sense could be Adonai. And whenever the King James Bible has Lord, L-O-R-D spelled normally, it's Adonai. And Abraham calls him that in Genesis chapter 15, the very next chapter. Adonai. 
That's how Abraham calls him. He calls him Adonai. Adonai in Hebrew. Okay? So he's a king of Salem. This Melchizedek is king of Salem. And we tie that to the fact that again, in Exodus 3, that Melchizedek doesn't know the name Yahweh, according to Moses in the burning bush. He said, I didn't, back then they didn't know my name. So Melchizedek is worshiping the Most High God, but he doesn't know his name. Now the King James, we explained why in the Sunday school class, why it's Jehovah here. And so you have to get the Sunday school lesson, but it's, it's in the Hebrew actually Yahweh. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. So who does Melchizedek worship? He worships the Most High God. Twice he says, Blessed be Abraham. And why is Abraham blessed? Because he's with the Most High God. You, you all, all you, and there's a whole bunch of kings here. This is like five kings, all right? There's a bunch of people gathered here. It says, you all worship these other guys, but Abraham worships the Most High God. Which is what Melchizedek is. He's a priest of this God. So Melchizedek knows this guy, but he says, Abraham worships him. And then Melchizedek blesses the Most High God. He just doesn't know God's name, like we know. And of course, God has, throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, we have all these names for God. El Shaddai, we talked about earlier. So, Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High, and Abraham is of the Most High, and that's why Abraham was able to win the battle that we'll talk about tonight. And he, furthermore, he blesses the Most High God. He blesses. Melchizedek is getting all of those people that worship all these other gods to worship Abraham's God, which happens to be his God, which is amazing. In Genesis chapter 14, which is you skip down to verse 22, Abraham makes sure, though, let's make sure you know who we're talking about. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, Sodom, I want to tell you something. I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord. Now it's capital L-O-R-D. This is Yahweh. Let me tell you who I worship. Let me make it plain. Who the Most High God is. You went to battle and you lost. And I had to go to battle to save my nephew. And I won. But I didn't do it. I didn't win the battle. What does David say? The battle belongs to the Lord. Melchizedek knows that. Abraham makes sure that everybody knows that this is because of the Lord. It's not because of me. I'm just a piece of flesh. It's because of the Lord, the Most High. Now we talked in Sunday school about this idea of Sadok, righteousness. Melchizedek, the Melchiz, the Melk is king, and the Zadok is righteousness. And it's in the name of Zedekiah that Yahweh is righteous. It's tying righteousness. Melchizedek is king of righteousness, right? So he's king of Salem. Therefore, Salem is tied to righteousness and is all tied to Yahweh. King of Salem. Later on, Joshua runs into another king at the same place and he's tied to Adonai, righteousness. His name. They didn't know Yahweh by name. When you're a missionary and you go to other countries, they may be worshiping God, but they don't know what to call Him. They've been taught to call Him something else. But there's a, there's a definite tie between people who don't know Yahweh like Abraham does 
like you and I do, but there definitely knows that at Salem, at Jerusalem, Jeru is just a city of. Shalom is peace, city of peace. That's Jerusalem. So they used to call it Shalom, and then they added Jerusalem. It's the city of Shalom. Salem, he's king of Salem, and he's the king of the city of Salem. So, tied to the city of Salem is a master, a god, that is righteousness. We're going to get righteousness there. Hebrews 7 says king of Salem means he's the king of peace. It translates Salem for us. He's telling us what shalom means in Hebrew. It's peace. So he's king of righteousness and he's king of peace. In Judges chapter 1-8 says, Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem and had taken it and smitten it with the edge of the sword and set the fire. It doesn't say they did anything else. It just says they attacked it. When Joshua goes into the promised land, in chapter 10, he meets this guy. And incidentally, this guy gets five kings together and tries to fight Joshua and loses. So Joshua defeated him. So in Judges chapter 1, they they conquered the city, but they don't take it. They just conquer it. That's it. Okay? And Psalm chapter uh, 76 verse 2 says, In Salem... Also, it's his tabernacle and his dwelling place of Zion. It tells us that this Salem from Genesis chapter 14 is Zion, which is Jerusalem. The psalmist is going to tie it up for us. If there's any confusion, the Bible wants to make sure, because scholars battle this. This Salem that is in Genesis 14 is Zion. It's Jerusalem. In 2 Samuel 5, 7, nevertheless, David took hold of the stronghold of Zion. It's the city of David. So we're making sure now, in 2 Samuel, David captures it, and he makes it where God's going to put his name. Throughout the Bible, from Deuteronomy going forward, they keep talking about God is going to put his name on some place. Some place God is going to put his name. David begins that right here. When he takes that city. And then Solomon's going to build the temple. And God's name is going to be there. Okay, That's when it, it actually. We start putting these pieces together. In Isaiah chapter 1. It's called the city of righteousness. There it is that Sadak again. Melchizedek. Adonai Sadak. Here it is. Zion is in Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 26. Is the city of righteousness. Where are we going to get Right. Where are we going to get righteousness? In this city, in this place where there's peace and righteousness. It's all coming out of this place and it starts in Genesis 14 when this place is first mentioned and it happens to be this guy that shows up and Abraham pays tithes to him. He gives the tithe. Where do we get the tithe from? From Moses? No. Abraham is giving tithes to this guy who's in this city. It's all tied <laughs> to righteousness. In Jeremiah 31, it's the habitation of justice, and that's just the same word, Sadok. In Mishpat, it's all tied to righteousness. It's all tied to the same concept. That on that mountain of holiness, that place, that Zion, okay, it's all there that we're going to get right at Jerusalem. So, Genesis 14, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Righteousness. Isaiah 51 
it ties righteousness to the Lord. Synonymously, poetically, in chapter 51 of Isaiah verse 1, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, Yahweh. Therefore, if you're looking for righteousness, to find it, you've got to get the Yahweh. Remember, all these kings are gathered, and Abraham says, you know how I got this things right? You couldn't get it right. You know how I got it right? The Most High Yahweh. That's how I got it right. The whole world is seeking what's right. The only way you're going to find what's right is you've got to get to the Lord. That's the only thing that's right. Isaiah further, chapter 61, 10 chapters later, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Trees of righteousness, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord is where are you going to get righteousness? Tying, fundamentally, the whole entire Bible is tying Yahweh to righteousness, beginning at Genesis chapter 14. (laughs) Jesus has fun with the Pharisees. And he tells them, David said, the Lord said unto my Lord, Lord, Lord. (laughs) Now whose Lord is Lord? Who's he talking about? Well, there's the Lord. Who's the Lord? And Jesus plays in Psalm 110 with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. Is there two lords or what's going on here? How can David call one Lord and another Lord? What's going on here? And Jesus is having a blast with them theologically about the two lords. That one day I'm going to make mine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod, thy strength out of Zion. It's from Zion. It's all tied to Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. In the midst of your enemies, you're going to get right. The enemies are going to be made right. It's all going to happen to Zion because of these, the Lord. Thy people shall be willing the day of thy power and the beauties of holiness. Where is that at? Zion. Zion. He goes on, and this is Psalm 110. From the womb of the morning thou hast to do the youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. He's not going to change this. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God's saying, I'm going to revisit something through Melchizedek that happened in Genesis 14. I'm going to come back and do this again. Right now, you're doing something else. The Levitical priesthood. Right now, you're doing a plan B because that's what had to be. It was a concession that God made. I originally wanted to do something different. You didn't play along. So to get you where I need you to go, I'm temporarily going to do the Levitical priesthood, but I'm still going back to my plan A. I'm going to go back through the order of Melchizedek. That's what the psalmist is saying, and that's what the author of Hebrews' argument is, that Jesus is not a priest because he's got Levi's blood pumping through his veins. But he is our priest because God is doing something forever with Melchizedek. The Levitical priesthood was temporary. The temple was destroyed, Jesus said. You destroy this temple, he referred to himself. God's going to destroy your temple. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. (laughs) And their temple was destroyed. And the Levitical priesthood has been out of service ever since. Because it wasn't forever. Because that was a plan B. That was a concession that my mentor always argued. I loved his arguments for that. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 32. We've been talking about Abraham. Abraham is in the midst of, at Genesis 10 11, all the nations went out after other gods. And this is Deuteronomy 32 describes it very well for us. Verse 8. When the Most High 
Who's the Most High? We all know who the Most High is. The same God that Abraham is worshipping, the same God that Melchizedek is worshipping. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he sets the bounds of people and he gives them all, you go here, you go there, you do. Okay, King of Sodom, you can do your thing and you guys can do your thing and you all can do your thing. Try it. See, you don't like me? Try something out. Go try it for yourself. See what you think. And then verse 9, it says, For the Lord portion, though, is his people, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, Israel, out of which Jerusalem, out of which Zion, out of which righteousness, out of which everything is going to happen. It's all going to come together. And we all know the rest of the story. I'm doing a Paul Harvey here. I'm giving you the, you know, Paul Harvey says, you know the rest of the story about Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16 When he comes riding on that white horse, who is he? He's the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. You got all these kings gathered. You got all these kings gathered. All these rulers gathered. You got all these lords, these other gods, these other things. But there's one who is above all the most high. And guess who's wearing that name? On his uniform as he rides. You know the, the police cars? The police cars, some of them are unmarked and some of them are marked. And they got on there and you want to see the ID of the police officer. You want to determine am I being actually pulled over by the police or someone acting like the police. Okay. He's got his ID on. But he's the king of every king. Because they understood, again, in the name Melchizedek, he's worshiping the most high God who is king over all the other gods. Well, here's king of kings. Same title for Jesus. He's Adonai. He's the Lord of all Adonai. There's no one higher than him. That's the same language. The most high. And Jesus is wearing that on his uniform. In Genesis 49.10, Moses has going to repeat this in Deuteronomy. But Jacob, Israel, is saying the same thing. And Moses repeats this in Deuteronomy when he is giving his final speech. Jacob is dying and he says the scepter, the rule, the kingly rule will not depart from Judah. Talking about Jesus. Going to come, talk about David. Talk about Jerusalem. At Jerusalem, by someone of David's lineage, the king of all kings, is the Messiah is coming. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Unto him, this is Genesis 49.10, shall the gathering of the nations be. I'm going to gather all the nations back that were lost at Genesis 10.11 at the Tower of Babel. And I'm going to start with Abraham. But I'm going to bring everybody back. So it's that Nepali people can accept Jesus Christ. Through Abraham, I'm going to Genesis 12.3. Bless all the families of the earth. Back to Genesis 49.1 though. What is Jacob talking about? And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together. He's gathering them. But God is going to gather everyone. That I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. He's talking about what's going to happen in the very end. And I just showed you Revelation 19. What's going to happen? In Numbers, chapter 24, the same thing. Here's Balaam prophesying under the power of our God. 
He's a mouth for hire. You know what Balaam is? He's a microphone. He's a microphone that lets God speak through him and he's surprised because God decides to actually use him. He says, I tried to explain it through the donkey. You didn't get it, so I'm going to use you because you're a bigger donkey than the donkey you were riding. I'll use you. I'll use your mouth. I'll use any mouth. The rocks will cry out. The trees, if you won't praise me, the trees will clap their hands. And now, behold, I go to my people. Come, therefore, I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the last days. He's talking about the same thing that Israel was talking about. Jacob in Genesis 49. And he says, which words of God. And he knew the knowledge of the Most High. There it is. Numbers 24, 16 and 17. Which saw the vision of the Almighty. There it is. The Most High that Melchizedek worships, that Abraham worships. Falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. Oh, the star of Bethlehem. Hallelujah. A star. They saw the stars as lords, as gods. But there's going to be one that's above all. And he's going to come out of Israel, out of Jacob. And Jacob says, not only is he going to come out of me, he's going to come out of Judah. See, the Bible just keeps moving. It's like a funnel. It just keeps funneling everything until we get to Jesus. Just keeps narrowing it down until we get to Jesus. Funneling it all toward Jesus Christ. There it is again. Numbers 24. We're in Numbers 24. 16, 17. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. There's the scepter. The king. The rule. The scepter. The scepter. Exodus 19, 6 says... Interestingly, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. There we are. We're a kingdom. We're kings. We're kings. That's what he told them on Mount Sinai. I'm going to make you kings. You're going to be replacing all these other rulers with the true justice and righteousness. Not only that, I'm going to make you priests. I'm going to make you a holy nation. Wow. This is Moses prophesying by God to what he's going to do on Mount Sinai. I'm going to make you kings. I'm going to make you priests. I'm going to make you... What was Melchizedek? He was a king and priest. I'm going to do that for the children of Israel. For those who have come through the line of Abraham, I'm going to do it. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are kings and priests. You. Did you know that, Eli? If you accept Jesus Christ, you become a king and a priest. Hmm? Yes. King and priest. That's a promise of God you can have when you're born into the kingdom. The kingdom that makes kings. A holy nation! Same thing. Peter says what God prophesied to them now is for everybody who is blessed as Abraham was going to bless all the families of the earth. I'm going to do this. Just like Melchizedek was a king and priest, I'm going to do this. First Peter goes on in chapter 1, in verse 16 says, Be ye holy as I am holy. Because God is holy, we can be holy. 
We can be righteous. We can be just because he will make us as long as we're with him. And we depart from those things and walk with him. We'll walk into that and we'll become holy because we are with him. You're holy because he's holy. So the only way you're holy is by being with him. You're not holy because you obey a bunch of rules. You're holy because you're with him. It's not obeying rules. It's about being with the ruler and following him. So, there we go. Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek is king and priest. We're also king and priest. And Melchizedek worships the same God that Abraham worships. And Abraham comes back from this great victory, this great battle. And he's met by a king and a priest. And incidentally, what does this king and priest do? He brought forth bread and wine. He meets Abraham. He's a king and a priest. All this is going to get us to become just like Melchizedek. But first was Jesus. Melchizedek is in Hebrews compared to Jesus. It's not comparing Jesus to Melchizedek. Read the grammar carefully in Hebrews chapter 7. It's comparing Melchizedek to Jesus. Melchizedek is like Jesus. Jesus is not like Melchizedek. And I'm doing something that's going to be forever. And Abraham, you're battling. And God is giving you the victory. And you've just won your first victory. You've just saved your nephew. You saved him, your family member. Uncle Abraham saves his nephew. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And what does he do as priest of the Most High God to bless Abraham? Abraham, through you, all the families there are going to be blessed. Whoever you bless will be blessed. How does Melchizedek choose for them to bless God. Remember, I, I told you in Sunday school, he, Melchizedek blesses Abraham's God. Melchizedek worships the Most High God. Melchizedek says, Abraham worships the Most High God. Then Melchizedek blesses that same Most High God. He doesn't know his name. He's not that intimate with him. And when he blesses that most high God, what does he use but bread and wine? Oh, hallelujah. Are you with me? Now, what battles have you been in? What battles are you going through? Because Abraham's going through battles. He's battling for himself. He's battling his family. We got this paralysis. Oh my goodness. What battle, 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 battle. I'm going to suggest to you, if you're in all these, locked in all these battles, that we do what they did in Genesis chapter 14. That we just take a pause here. In the minute, we acknowledge the victories that God keeps giving us. Despite all the faces of the enemy. And we do what they did. Because what happens? Psalm 23 verse 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. It's time to get the table out because somebody has won the ultimate battle. I told you it was a funnel. It was all pointing at Jesus. 
And you won the ultimate battle. The victory that's eternal and everlasting. These are just small little bitty things. D-Day is already done. We're just marching toward Berlin, that's all. We're just cleaning up. One day Berlin will fall. One day the wall of Berlin will fall. One day all of this, none of this is going to matter. It's all, nothing's going to matter. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Maybe you come here battling, you're empty, you're, oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. Then stop for this break. Just like they stop in the middle of Genesis chapter 14, they stop. Abraham, I'm going to stop you right now. I know you've been through battle. I know you're moving on. I know you're struggling. You don't have a son. I know you. He doesn't have a son yet. Melchizedek doesn't know the name of God. Abraham doesn't even have a son yet. The children of Israel were, how long through the Old Testament? 400 years they went without. And then when Jesus shows up, still some of them haven't figured out that God sent a son. It's time just to take a break this morning and stop right here. All the battle you're going through. The Lord says, I want to stop right here. I want to stop. She's got a crown on. Is she a princess, a queen, or what? Praise God. Do you know you got crowns? She's got a crown. She came prepared this morning for church. I'm royalty. Have you forgotten who you are? And have you forgotten whose you are? You're kings and you're priests. What did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Six days, oh my goodness. The seventh day is a day of rest. You have been battling. Let's stop right here, right now, and catch some of that shalom, that peace that God wants to give you. Because you're battling. Going through so much. She can wear her tiara. Right? She can let that tiara rest on her head. I'm saying, why don't you let God rest your head and realize that the kingdom of God is ruling. Despite what you may see outside, the kingdom of God is ruling. King of Sodom, how did Abraham do this? Melchizedek says he did it because of the Most High God. How on earth... (laughs) Are we supposed to do this? The same way. With the same God. So put your tiara on and walk out in this world and let God rule over every situation in your life. Because as we said in Sunday school, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's what David said. You don't need to battle. You need to rest. Stop for a minute. Get the bread and wine. Acts 2.38 
39. And Peter said unto them, These are the people that were gathered from those nations, from all those places of Genesis 10 and 11, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. After the cross, they all came, and what does Peter say to them? Repent! And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Remember, Abraham is trying to reach the nations. Remember, through Zion, God is going to reach the nations. Here it is, at that place, Jerusalem, that very place where Melchizedek was king of, that Abraham stopped on his way back from the battle of defeating international powers with all of their gods. Abraham defeats them to save Lot. Peter is saying, you repent. You and your children can be blessed by the same God of Abraham if you just repent. And those that are far off can be drawn near. Now, we know what happens in Sodom. We know what happens in Sodom after this story. Again, Paul Harvey, rest of the story. We know Genesis chapter 19. He had a chance right here to worship God, and he missed it. But God is saying, you can be like Melchizedek, you can be like Abraham, and you can repent and worship me. Later on, Talking about Paul when he repented. Acts 26 verse 18. To open their eyes. I'm sending you Paul out. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive the forgiveness of sins. And the inheritance among them. Which are sanctified by me. By faith that is in me. Just repent. And I'll move you from the powers of Sodom. From the powers. Sodom was defeated in the story. and We're going to get into tonight. Sodom was defeated by other kings. And Abraham went to rescue his nephew Lot. Uncle saves nephew. Children will be blessed. It's for you and your children. We got children today. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? They can repent and they can come into the kingdom. They can return to the Lord. Isn't that exciting? They can return to the Lord and experience this and be translated from darkness to light from the power of Satan and Sodom and everything unto God who is righteous and shalom peace and get the rest by having faith like Melchizedek did. Even though Melchizedek didn't understand everything. Most children don't understand everything about Jesus when they accept Faith that is in me. Repent. Hmm. As I keep telling you, nine one one backwards. <laughs> if we confess our sins, Lot got into a lot of trouble in Genesis fourteen. The Bible does call him in the New Testament righteous Lot, but he, whew, for a while, he had to be saved by his uncle. Maybe you've been battling. Maybe this week has not been the prettiest week. If that's true, then confess your sins. John is not writing to the king of Sodom here. The king of Sodom is not reading 1 John. 
John is writing to the church and he says, church, if we, hello church, if we like Lot find ourselves in a bad spot, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. The same God that was faithful to Abraham who lied in the last two chapters. <laughs> the same God who can get Melchizedek. Don't be like Sodom and walk out of this meeting and not get this. Don't be like the king of Sodom. God, he is faithful. And he is just. There it is. Righteous, just. Oh, oh, oh. Melchizedek. Righteousness. Justice. To forgive our sins. He'll forgive our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There it is. Melchizedek. He is my king of righteousness. When you are unrighteous, your king is righteous. Just go to your king and you'll go from unrighteousness from the power of Satan to righteousness to the power of God. That's all you need to do. Repent! And become like Melchizedek, not the king of Sodom, but the king of Shalom. Repent! And God will turn you. My little children, whoo, glory to God. These things write unto you that you sin not. And if anyone sin, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. There it is again. Righteousness. He will make you right. You're not right. He will make you right. And he is a propitiation for our sins. And not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Not only am I saving Abraham, I will save Lot. And the New Testament says righteous Lot. God was able to save Lot in the end. Praise the Lord. Let's stop the battle this morning. The fight and find the peace that comes from bread and wine. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D K E N dot C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.